Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have for you today an episode that I know that many people have been looking forward to. I have certainly been looking forward to it. And that is our interview with Thomas Odom and Jesse Turk. Now, Thomas, you might recognize his name. He just became the sixth place finisher, the first American finisher in solo race across America. Uh, we were super excited about that. Uh, we tracked him the whole way. We watched him on Facebook Live, and many of you did as well. Um, and we were really, really, really happy for him when he crossed the finish line. Um, Jesse's name is one you might not have heard before, even though Thomas would be the first person to tell you that he would not have finished solo race across America if it weren't for Jesse. Uh, Jesse's a paramedic by training, but he was also the crew chief for Thomas's eight-person crew that made sure that he got across the United States. Now, the race across America, as the name suggests, is a race across the United States. It starts in Oceanside, California. It runs on a set course. It finishes in Annapolis, Maryland, and the clock starts when you start, and it doesn't stop until you cross the finish line. So in that ways, I often sometimes joke that race across America is almost like your local 5K. It has a set course, and, and they run the clock as long as the race takes. The difference, of course, is your local 5K will take you less than an hour, whereas Race Across America takes anywhere from about 8 to 12 days. For Thomas, it took just a little bit over 10 days, and we wanted to hear a little bit about some of their experiences, what it was like to cross both mountain ranges, to cross the Great Plains, to uh, cross the desert, of course, um, to go from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, um, about 300 miles a day, all on very little sleep because that's what you have to do in order to be able to get there within the time cuts because, again, it's not a ride across America, it's a race across America. So let me remind you really briefly here about our new sponsor, SlayRx. We've talked about them a few times, um, but we're going to keep on talking about them because it's a neat thing, and I hope that many of you will give it a shot. SlayRx actually has a climate-controlled lab that they can set to the conditions of whatever your target race is. And you spend an hour either on a treadmill or on a stationary bike. They measure your sweat rate and they measure the content of your sweat, the electrolyte content of your sweat. Once you have that information, they then recommend a product for you that you can use for hydration during the event itself. So reach out to them, check them out, SlayRx. And of course, don't forget about Pleasant 2019, which will get you 10% uh, off anything on their website. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Thomas and Jesse. Welcome to the podcast, Thomas Odom and Jesse Turk, fresh off the Race Across America. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. So Thomas, of course, you were the rider on uh, Team... Kyle P's Foundation, Thomas Odom, and Jesse, you were the crew chief. Um, we're super excited to have you with us here on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Yes, uh, good to be here. I'm excited. I've uh, been listening for a while. I'm excited to be one of the people getting listened to. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I mean, literally, when, when we, you and I first started talking about you're doing this event um, over a year ago, um, one of the first things that, that I thought of was, hey, that's going to be kind of cool podcast episode once he's done and he's successful and we can bring them on the podcast and hear all about it. So <laughs> so this is uh, a long time coming. Nice. Very nice. Good. Well, so I, I think the first thing we need to say here um, right out the gate is to make sure that everybody understands what the race across America is. Um, a lot of folks think, oh, you were just riding your bike across the United States, but that's not it. Can you tell us a little bit about what the race across America actually is? Um, goodness. Um, that's a big <laughs> question. Uh, it is, it's basically a nonstop 
race, not a ride, it's definitely a race across the U.S. from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland um, on a specified route. Uh, this year's route was uh, 3,069.8 miles or something like that. And uh, it's nonstop. So they say go. And uh, I think 39 people started this year or so. And then they send us all off in one minute intervals. Um, and it's a time trial. It's a, it's basically a time trial is the easiest way to think about it. Clock doesn't stop. You have 288 hours for 12 days to make it to um, Annapolis. And that's, that's virtually it. You know, obviously a lot of things come up along the way. But a lot of the big rules are obviously it's very similar to triathlon. And you cannot draft. You cannot ride with other riders. Um, if you catch another rider, um, you can ride beside them for 15 minutes, and then you must break apart. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was a little bit nuts. But yeah, I mean, obviously the first day or day and a half, two days, you're kind of bunched up, so you see a lot more people. And then it's surprising how spread out it gets. I mean, even if you're, you know, four miles away from somebody, you're by yourself. So you know, it was. After day, would you say Jesse day two or three? You're pretty much by yourself. I mean, yeah, you're 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 by yourself. You see people every now and then, but you're pretty much a solo adventure. Right on, right on. And then of course you 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 bring your crew with you. I mean, like you said, it's it's like any other race in the sense that you have a start, a course, and a finish. It's just that that course is much longer. Um, but then rather than having aid stations along the way, you you actually bring your your aid station with you, right? Co- correct. Yeah, and that's the logistics of it is, is something that is really hard to explain to people. I mean, we didn't know what we were getting into. And quite frankly, we would have probably never started Ram if we knew what we were getting into. Um, let's just be honest. I mean, for our family and our relationship as friends sake, but you know, we, it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, we had eight person crew, which is actually pretty small. I mean, it's kind of the minimum six, is, I guess six technically would be the minimum in our opinion, but we had an eight person crew, basically two sets of three that were a day shift and night shift. And Jesse could talk more on this because he was in charge of it. And then we had two guys that were basically RV guys. They were in charge of the RV and basically my headquarters every day. So it, I mean, the logistics of two Chrysler town and countries and, uh, in an RV, and eight people plus a rider getting from California to Maryland is in and of itself a lot. Mm-hmm. And then throw in the fact that it's a race and that there's a 200 page rule book um, is something else. <laughs> right on for sure. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about the, the, the crew and the logistics. I want Jesse to talk to us a little bit more about that, but before we do that, just cause I want to get this out there really early. I want you to talk a little bit about the why. I want you to talk about the the charity that you did. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've always wanted to do RAM. Um, Well, let me rephrase that. I've always wanted to ride my bike across the United States, you know, since I was uh, really knew what a a bike was. Um, And it was kind of just one of those goals I had on my bucket list. I had kind of four goals, and that was one of them. And obviously in our community – of athletes, you know, you figure out what RAM is and all of a sudden you're like, man, that would be a way to do it. That's, I say reasonable in a weird way, but then I could take off work 
you know, I couldn't take three months off work and go piddle around, which was my original plan, you know, get a backpack and ride across. Then I find out about Ram as I'm kind of getting very involved in the Kyle Pease Foundation. And uh, it definitely gave me a why. Ultra-endurance sports, to me, are in and of themselves a very um, self-involved and uh, can really um, – it's a very selfish sport in and of itself, um, you know. And I found that I was able to push myself further and um, – have more fun and, and like I said, push myself further, push my body beyond my limits when I'm suffering for other people. And that goes when I'm racing with my buddy, John, that goes when I'm racing with other athletes with the foundation. And it kind of came to this race. And I definitely wanted to do it in a similar fashion, quite frankly, one for selfish reasons. Cause if I'm suffering for, for a cause besides my own pride and my own ego, then I would knew that I would be able to push myself harder. And there's, I don't think there's any other harder race, quite frankly, than this. Mm-hmm. And I knew I would need it. And um, the found, Kyle Peace Foundation means a ton to me because I've seen its impact on the community as a whole, getting people with, dis- this, getting people with disabilities involved in sport and just in, in, included in beyond sport as well with connectability. Um, you know, those two foundations have had a big impact on me personally. And so when I started to do the race on my forefront was I wanted to raise money for the foundation so that I could see other people get involved in sports. And, you know, we had a big success. You know, we, we started with a $250,000 goal, quite frankly, that was a little beyond um, where maybe we even should have started. We dropped it down to 150 and we ended up raising, you know, I think we're a little over 80,000 with some of the matching donations that are actually still coming in. Um, and if you're listening to this and want to donate, we still have a website, but, um, you know, that gave me the, that gave me the drive. And quite frankly, probably the last day and a half, it's what kept me going. I mean, they were, Jesse was in my ear when I was weaving, basically saying, remember why you're doing this. Remember why you're doing this. Um, and that, you know, I, I kind of repeated in my own brain, I kept thinking about, you know, how many people racing, how many athletes with the Cal Peace Foundation would give anything to go pedal one mile without assistance? You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, and I have the help. I've been blessed with the help. It's nothing I earned. I, I've been blessed with the help to be able to do it. And so to just use that for my own glory would be a waste. Right on. Very good, very good. You said that uh, that it's still open and you still can give. What is that website? If you just Google Thomas Odom Ram Kyle Peace Foundation, it'll pop up. Right on. It's a long URL. Right yeah. On. So very good. Google me. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Very good. Very good. Um, well, let's let's kind of flip back into back to the how then and, and talk about that that crew. So you said there was an RV and there was two vans. Um, um, I guess, Jesse, I have two big questions for you. Number one, um, how did you marshal all of that? And, and number two, how did Thomas talk you into this? You know, I, Thomas, Thomas and I started racing together about six years ago, and uh, I, I kind of got affiliated by ignorance. Uh, when, when he did the, uh, the, du- the double Ironman in Tampa, it was actually six years ago this past March. Um, you know, it's, we kind of got together and he said, Hey, can you help me do this? And I knew nothing about what I was doing. I just kind of planned for a uh, camping trip slash 
tailgate party, you know, and that's pretty much what we made out of it. And, uh, and I kind of applied the same principles to Ram, uh, except it's rolling. And, uh, and so we spent the last several years together doing, you know, different types of endurance races that were crude. And so I, I knew what I was getting into as far as the, uh, the ask, uh, and the time that was going to be away. But once we actually started racing, you know, it really became a reality about really what it takes to, to finish the race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. What makes for a good crew member? Um, and that's a question for both of you, I guess. I mean, what what is it about you, Jesse, that you think, I mean, makes you successful at this? Because clearly you were successful. I mean, Thomas got across the finish line, and when it comes to those 39 people that you talked about, um, a lot of those 39 don't make it across. I mean, it's like a 40% or 50% DNF rate. Um, and so so what what is what do you need in the crew? What does a good, good crew member need to be? Well, you know, Justin, one of our crew members, he was in the other van, uh, and I were, were talking last weekend. We were kind of joking. You know, it's like a catch-22 of uh, being crew. Is like, I, you know, I was like, you need to be married with small children to be a crew member, <laughs> except the problem is, is you're married with small children. And uh, because learning, learning to balance those things and be gentle in a relationship and deal with the ups and downs, and then when your uh, when your racer maybe starts acting like a kindergartner from all the sleep deprivation, you know how to kind of gently pat him on the back and say, "Okay, it's time to get on your bike and pedal, and everything's okay. <laughs> Let's go." Um, but uh, in all seriousness, you know, with with a having a, a, a rookie crew, we might have been rookie to Ram, but what you know, once I really got looking at all the crew members, and every crew member that we had was an expert in their own field. And so we went out and filled those, those kind of needs, whether it be mechanics or whether it be nutrition or logistics or, or equipment operation or driving or planning or navigation, we had those people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so instead of micromanaging them, we empowered them and said, look, you're the experts in your field. We just need you to follow this plan. And can you apply what you know uh, into this race? And they did. And they did it without question. And, uh, and that was, uh, the amount of trust they put in me was, was staggering. It really was just, as, after it all came up uh, to an end, I was like, I cannot believe, you know, these people trust me to, to, to follow all these things. And they did it. Mm-hmm. And, and we all worked together. You know, I mean, I've got a, personally a lot of experience just handling logistics. You know, I mean, I've spent, uh, you know, in my career, spent the last nine, 18 years in working as a paramedic and, you know, kind of dealt with a lot of just balancing acts of logistics and what, when and where and how and, and finding a way no matter what to overcome whatever obstacles, you know, come your way. And I, I think those, those principles, uh, were applied here, you know, about just, you know, there's always a way we just got to find the right way. And, uh, and sometimes most of the time we got the right way and sometimes we got mostly the right way. Right on, right on. You know, watching from the outside, it definitely looked like you, you got it the right way pretty much every time. I know that you weren't, <laughs> you weren't going to be broadcasting your mistakes and everything, but, but, but I think those of us who were watching um, online and tracking you at the, the RAM website that was uh, watching the Facebook Lives and all that sort of thing, uh, we were all super impressed with how it just seemed that y'all executed such a great race, not only from a rider point of view, but also from a crew point of view, um, and, and that's just so, so important. Um, you have, Jesse, I know you have training. You just said this as a paramedic, um, is in addition to the resourcefulness that you have to have in order to be a paramedic, is there, um, did you have to call upon your medical training any? (laughs) 
I would say, you know, to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to crew uh, an endurance athlete, uh, you, you do have to call upon that. Not as much the emergency medicine. Um, I'd say you'd almost need to be a wound chair specialist, you know, to be crew over a, uh, <laughs> to deal with the nuances of all the pressure points of, I see what you're uh, getting at. Sitting on a bike. I see what you're getting at. <laughs> you have to, you basically, as the rider, you have to lose any pride of uh, being cloaked yeah. in front of people. Yeah. And as a crew chief, you have to really love your rider. <laughs> you I know. mean, the, 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 the thing about, the thing that Jesse won't say, and that honestly, quite frankly, the reason most people don't finish RAM or even get to the start line to qualify is because they don't have somebody like Jesse who's willing to put the time in with no glory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. You know, everybody has seen my name pop up as Ram finisher and has called me and wants to know me and me, me, me. But Jesse did all the work. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesse spent hours upon hours upon hours doing the not fun stuff when I was putting in hours and hours on the bike, right. which I enjoy. Right. But like, he was doing all the work on the front end, which is why it ran so smooth. Mm-hmm. And then he was running on sleep deprivation during the race for no glory. At least I had a little bit of, you know, hey, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a medal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like that side of it is is something I don't think many people are willing to do for somebody else. Right. And that speaks, you know, wonders for him. And that's why, honestly, that's why I ran so smooth. Absolutely. Yeah, well, one of the one of the good things too is you know that we've both been involved with Cal Peace Foundation since around 2014 or so, yeah. and uh, we both raced with them. And so, having you know, I'm I'm committed um, to the foundation. I'm committed to seeing. Um, I was thinking about these same people. You know, I was thinking yeah. about the same cool. person that would love to wake up in the morning and get up and experience the pain and the sleep deprivation just in order to walk, and uh, and not have to be fed or have to be cleaned. And, uh, and so those people were on my mind as we raced too. And that really helped with the why. Right on, right on. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, let's talk about some of those challenges. We've alluded to them along the way. I think that the, the challenge of riding your bike, how many miles a day were you riding your bike, Thomas? It was, it was, what was it? It was around 300. 300. Yeah. Yeah. The first day I did 395 in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Obviously a lot of that, quite frankly, was pushing hard overnight when it was cool to Mm -hmm. get the heck out of the desert. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the first day was almost 400. And then after that, it ended up being right around 300 a day. And y'all, y'all broke it up. I thought in sort of a novel way, you, 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 you said, all right, this is not day one, day two, day three, but rather this is ride number one, ride number two, ride number three. Um, was that kind correct? Of- that, yeah, mentally we thought about that ahead of the race. Mm-hmm. Me mentally, I do better with that. Mm-hmm. Um, just and honestly, that kind of came back to me hiking the Appalachian Trail. How I broke it up mentally because mm-hmm. you can't think, "Hey, I'm going to ride from California to Maryland." Because mentally, you'll break down at some point thinking about that. Right. You know, I thought I'm going to ride to this point, and that's where the RV is. Mm-hmm. Even if Jesse lied to me and the RV was somebody <laughs> somewhere else, um, <laughs> you know, if I rode past the RV and had to go 50 more miles because he told me it was 50 miles ahead, um, you know that they that was good for me mentally and it allowed me to push mentally, I think further than I would have. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we treated the RV like my hotel. Okay. It didn't move. Mm-hmm. It didn't come back for me. Mm-hmm. I made it to the RV, period. Mm-hmm. And that was key. And that was some advice I got from uh, Ram veteran Brian Toon, who's mm-hmm. done Ram twice and is very wise. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me that advice ahead of time. He said, you pick a point and you go there and you'll be able to push yourself further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you create a finish line. Right. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And then so so you would you would do one of these rides, which like you said, got up to almost 400 miles, but was generally around 300 miles. And so there was... I guess ten of them throughout the course of the race, and then um, you do that. You you'd get to the RV, and then how long would you actually stay in the RV? Like, um, and this is for both Jesse and Thomas. So, because I know Jesse, you're probably working while Thomas Thomas is resting in the RV, right? So, so kind of take us through the, the the break there. So the idea with the RV is it's protected sleep, you know. And so the crew, I'm like, look, we've got some rules. When Thomas is in the RV, sleeping. Um, no one is to come in there. Everybody silence your phones. We would, you know, go through this ritual every single time, you know, uh, don't be coming in and out. We're outside, you know, doing maintenance on the bike, cleaning the vehicle, throwing away trash, getting meals ready, getting kits clean, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we slept, you know, you basically got a chance to sleep when you became the off crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it worked a lot. Like, I mean, I told him, I was like, look, this is like 12 days of, of Daytona 500, okay? We're just going to kind of work around the clock here uh, day in and day out. And so basically Thomas would come in. Every person had a job. You know, one person would catch him, uh, and then we would get him in. Uh, he would go immediately to the shower and then get a massage and go to sleep. And then we would wake him up in three hours, and we would somebody would monitor him until he went to sleep to make sure that he got two full REM cycles of sleep uh, on average. And then uh, whenever he woke up, he had a fresh kit, you know, that had that was ready to be put on. He'd eat half his breakfast, and then somebody'd be holding his bike. He'd jump back on, and uh, and then he'd get this coffee and the rest of his breakfast when he started pedaling. Right. And uh, and that's I started pushing that with the crew early on. I said, look, he's he's going to be sleeping, using the restroom, and pedaling off the bike. Period. That's it. It was about, and that was key. I mean, I would say, and Jesse can correct me. I, it was about 15 minutes from the time I would stop at the end of a ride before I was asleep. Right. And it was about 15 minutes from the time I woke up till I was pedaling again. Right. So it was about 30 minutes total of non-sleep time when I would get off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it was three hours. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I know we did some 90 minutes. Um, 90 there, minute there was nap, one. There was and one. then... It was like, it's like, it's like everybody, you know, it's like when you, before you wake them up, it's like almost like pulling the grand curtain. You know, you go through every system. Do we know where we're going? Is everybody ready? Um, is the bike in position? Does he have all his food and lights? Okay. Well, if none of that's done, don't wake him up. When all that's ready, we'll wake him up. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we kind of pull back the grand curtain and come in like it was ride number one and Hey buddy. And everything's happy and fresh and, <laughs> Here and, and you know and basically give him marching orders for the day. Like mm-hmm. here's where you're going. It's going to be a great day. Here's the weather. Have fun out there. Right Go. on. Right on. <laughs> and sometimes they told me I slept longer than I did. <laughs> yeah, they did. The well, mind is Thomas, that was great. Thing. You just had a good solid ten hours of sleep. You should be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
No, that would have probably made me demoralized. Right. Like, what? And panic. Right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things I'll kind of point out there, just that, that between the lines that I picked up what you said. So two REM cycles, that's that's roughly three hours of sleep, two to three hours of sleep probably, right? Yeah, the adult average adult has about a ninety-minute sleep cycle. Yeah, yeah, and so so you're so you're looking at you're riding three hundred miles at a time, um, and then you get off. You're within you're you're asleep within fifteen minutes. You sleep for about three hours. You get up. You're back on the bike, and so so you're riding three hundred miles at a time with three hours of sleep, which is something that, again, the thing that distinguishes one of the things that distinguishes this from just a ride across the United States the the fact that you had that two hundred eighty-eight. Uh, hour limit and the clock is running while you're sleeping um, and I, I think a lot of folks don't entirely get that there, there's obviously a real strong motivation to to sleep less and to, to move quickly and all that sort of thing um, the other thing that you said there that I really liked is that you said that that you got him back on the bike and then you gave him his breakfast and his coffee as soon as he started pedaling and I feel like I feel like when I just haven't watched Ram so many times over the course of the past several years, I feel like you know when people aren't doing well because there's a bunch of pictures of them off the bike, and they're eating and they're sitting around or whatever it happens to be. But one way or another, they're awake and they're not pedaling, and and that was definitely something that it seems like y'all avoided. Was it was that like a major priority for you? That was. I mean, you know, and I, I hit that on everybody every single day. No chit chat. If you want to talk about it, you call them. Talking right. with you. Right on, right on. So, so tell me this. Um, so, you have the sleep deprivation, you have the physical toll, because after all, you're going over the Rocky Mountains and over the Appalachian Mountains, and so it's not like you're, you know, you're doing some some flat ride. Even when it was flat in Kansas, you had the wind in your face. But, um, but in addition to the sleep deprivation and the simple physical toll of the whole thing, what are some other kind of big challenges? That it, it's a weird, it's a it's a weird feeling. You know, the sleep deprivation is one thing, but the the mental battle. Is something that you you can't explain really. Um, boredom. Yeah, you know, not necessarily. Yeah, boredom a little bit, um, but the pressure, the pressure of the race, I think, is a lot and can crack you. Um, hmm. Because for me, yes, I was sleep deprived, um, but I actually did better with sleep deprivation than a lot of riders. Um, I, I, you know, I, at least talking to some people, I was relatively mentally there more than a lot of people at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. I definitely was still not all there, mm-hmm. but you had lots of words. I had words. You had words. I don't know if you're all there. <laughs> um, well, I, I, and I'll, I'll say, I'll say to, to jump in there. I talked to you, you finished on a Sunday. I talked to you on a Thursday. You still weren't quite all there the following Thursday, four days after. Yeah. <laughs> Don't so, judge me. So, uh, but but no, because I, I, I've Ram before, and so I kind of was sensitive to it. But but just talking to you, I, I would say, so tell me about this and this, and you'd be like, yeah, uh, what was I talking about? Wait, what'd you ask? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. you, you had a hard time kind of holding thoughts in your head, um, and that's that's a feeling I, that I was familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've definitely, I had moments. Um, but yeah, I mean that was. Uh, that was something a little bit, uh, the, the mental pressure of it being, and it really hit me the last three nights where I'm riding overnight and I am just, I'm, everything in my body wants me to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, there was times where I was almost falling asleep 
where the it wasn't necessarily just the sleep. It was the mental pressure of knowing I couldn't, mm. which is, you know, kind of a weird, weird wording. But it was, I have eight people that gave up their entire life and at least one of them that gave up a year before the race planning, plus all these people watching. It was the mental pressure of knowing I couldn't mm. more than it was that I couldn't mm. uh, sleep. And that was a unique pressure that, you know, you're, you're just trying to move forward. Right. You know, at, at some point, the race, yes, it's a race, but you are just trying to keep pedaling. The, the traffic, the, um, the you know, I, I probably hit one of my lowest points in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Indiana, where I was pretty much asleep on the bike. I mean, I woke up at one point to them blowing the horn for me to turn left. Obviously, I wasn't fully asleep because I would have fallen over, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember just being in such a mental low point. But, you know, that was an interesting battle. And just, you know, you, you, your brain plays tricks on you. I still remember them telling uh, it was Jesse wasn't there. It was, it was the other. It was the night, day random time of day crew is the other crew, uh, whatever to whatever it became crew. And it was in Colorado. I had been above 10,000 feet for a while. And so I didn't, I wasn't dealing with breathing issues as much as I just couldn't put any power out Mm -hmm. because I, I guess I'd been up there Mm -hmm. and I was climbing the next, I was climbing the second kind of peak. You climbed three and I was climbing that second, you know, peak and I was just climbing up, climbing up. And I remember radioing them and saying, I'm going seven miles an hour down this hill. Why can I not go any faster down this hill? And they came back on the radio like, Thomas, you're climbing. Just keep pedaling. <laughs> I mean, how do you, like, I look back now and I'm like, how did I not know I'm going up? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, and it takes was, a while to get that to was, that That point. was pretty and early, I, too. Think, that was Colorado. That was like ride number three or something. <laughs> it was. It was yeah. ride three. It had, yeah. We started playing a game in the van because it, it, even as crew, it starts messing with you. It's like, all right, we're going to play a little game. Are we going uphill, down here, or flat? <laughs> and we'd have to actually watch the altimeter on the uh, on the GPS to determine which if we were going up, down, or flat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, it, it wasn't, I wasn't used to some of that riding. Obviously, I'm not used to that elevation. Um, but then the climbs were actually good for me. I would actually sometimes be going faster on the climbs than the flats because my brain was engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of where I come alive. Like West Virginia and Maryland were probably me versus the field, my most competitive areas. Mm-hmm. Um, day one, I put a lot of time on people. I had a good day one, but, um, West Virginia, Maryland, there were some people catching me that I put time on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was the crew pushing me when I didn't want to go, mm-hmm. that their crew probably gave in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I that's where I actually came alive. And I had a lot of good people. I mean, when I hit my lowest point in Indiana, this is kind of a cool story, I was at probably one of my lower points in Indiana, middle of the day, tons of traffic. My crew had gotten a flat tire, and they had stopped to change the tire. And I was by myself. I had, it was, this was right after I had dealt with falling asleep, um, on the bike. And I was, I was going along. It was hot. I was, it was humid. It just poured rain. 
and I was just kind of blah. And all of a sudden, my buddy from Georgia rolls up beside me in his truck and blows the horn. And is like, what's up, man? And I'm like, I'm like, am I hallucinating? And I'm like, what? And I and I and I literally pull over, and he's just telling me he has, you know, he has uh, twin girls, and one of them is dealing, you know, with a disability that they just found out about, and he's, you know, and my what I was fighting for with this ride and trying to raise inclusion for had motivated him so much to get more involved that he drove from Bremen, Georgia, mm. all the way to the middle of Indiana, mm-hmm. gave me a hug on the side of the road, told me to keep going, and drove home. Right on. It was like a nine-hour drive. Yeah, he drove nine hours up, gave me a hug, basically, and drove home. Right and on. that from that point on, I was freaking in the zone. I mean, I rode great. Right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, little things like that that were nonstop. I you know, was struggling in West Virginia, and all of a sudden a boy and his dad – come over on the side of the road and the boy wants a picture with me because he's been tracking me cool and you know all those little things it was i mean just such a cool and i'll say that the race is, doesn't to a lot of people doesn't seem really well known in the united states surprisingly um but through the states and the cities that we cycle yeah. through the support was amazing Right. I mean, you, you, this the Ramans used this route I think for the last fourteen years, and so these communities really embrace this. And I had this uh, this elderly lady pulled up to us one day. We were in a town I don't even know where we were. I think we were in Ohio, and she just got out and she said, "Welcome to our town. Thank you so much for being here." And I was just like, I was blown away by that. You know, I mean, we had so much support from from our our great country. I mean, we met so many nice people. Cool. Um, it, it's inspiring. You know, if you turn the TV off and, and just do RAM, and you'll you'll really have a new love for your country, you know. Right on, right on. Yeah, I remember, so I, I crewed it back in 2013, and I remember thinking something similar, um, that, that a new appreciation for the country uh, in terms of topography and diversity and all sorts of things like that as well. Um, but then I also remember as well, yeah, because you're so in the zone with that, you do lose sight of everything else around you. <laughs> like, I had no idea yeah, what was yeah. going on in the world and the news and all that sort of thing during the time that I was crewing. So, I'm, I'm was that was that it's the same? Great. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I mean, we were we were very much disconnected from from the outside world, other than our immediate families, really, and and our support system. I mean, that's that's all you really can focus on is is the people that motivate you. And whatever it takes, you know, day and night to, to see the finish line. Right on, right on. And a lot of people supported in, you know, in different ways too, like just to keep me engaged. You know, I obviously, Mallory supported me in like insane with all my training. I mean, obviously she put up with a lot that no one ever sees mm-hmm. um, and, and supported me through it um, and sometimes just put up with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would push me. You know, she would she would keep me on it. But even during the race, you know, the day after I started, Sandy was sick, like 104 fever. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. the son. crew your and son. Mallory hid that from me hmm. for the entire race hmm. because they didn't want me thinking about it. Right, right. And so, like, the crew, I'm, I'm finding this out now, <laughs> the crew would talk to Mallory and say, hey – how is Sammy look okay enough for Thomas to call you? Hmm. And cause they would keep me, you know, from, I would FaceTime Mallory and sometimes she wouldn't answer because she was doing, cause Sammy was in an ice bath because he was so sick. Right. And, uh, they hid all that from me during the race so that I wouldn't be, you know, unmentally engaged, if you will. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, there was a uh, um, there one, there's a famous Ram racer um, that I know both of you have heard of named uh, Yuri Robic, um, who oh yeah won oh, yeah. I think five times, and he used to he used to hallucinate late at night that um, that that he was literally on a battlefield being chased by uh, the Mujahideen on horseback. Um, and, yeah, and his crew would be like, "Yeah, they're about to get you. They're coming for you." And and he would start he would start just flying in the middle of the night because he thought literally that he was on a battlefield, um, and that he was he was he was riding his bike for his life, and and they just kind of said yeah yeah just go just go and they they like went with it, um so so yeah your your yours is sort of the inverse of that they're keeping things from you but but the point being that that yeah that that mind um you know having trying to keep your mind engaged in it and protect your mind if you will from certain things that might be. Um, deleterious to your performance. So yeah, very interesting. Um, so yeah. speaking of Facebook and FaceTime, um, you Facebook lived a lot during this event, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So um, back to Brian. Bo- both y'all did that did. every day. Both y'all did. Both both Thomas and Jesse. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian did it during his race from his bike, and I remember watching it, and you know I thought it was really cool, kind of hearing him and his perspective. And so that's something I kind of wanted to do too, because it's kind of a unique thing. I need to go back and watch them because I probably sound like a disaster. <laughs> I thought I was on it, but I am sure I wasn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was neat. And honestly, it, it got me out of a lot of low points too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, knowing, like feeling, because even though that car is behind me, you feel like you're so alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the the uh the facebook live was cool because i got to see kind of i didn't realize you know it kind of shows you how many people watch i remember going live and all of a sudden there were 60 people on there and i'm like holy cow like (laughs) that many people are a know i'm doing this or b care um and uh it was cool you know you you'd see people and they would ask questions i try to answer a few of them Mm um but yeah i mean it was it was it was a really neat experience and it was kind of a cool way to kind of share a um, everything about the foundation and B, you know, a little bit of the experience with everybody. It was cool. Right on. And I got to some points with it where I kind of, I kind of, I started it and I kind of just was like, I just don't have time for this. You know, I'm, I've got work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of loathed it. But my wife got on the phone with me one day. She goes, listen, Dahlonega, our lovely small town up here in North Georgia, they're losing their ever-loving minds over what you guys are doing. <laughs> cool. There are, and, and what I was finding out is that there were, there were, there were people that followed us uh, all over, but especially in our town, cool. that were losing sleep. They probably got less sleep than we did because they would log in and watch the little blue dot go across the screen every day. And so that kind of inspired me to say, you know what, I don't have to have this you know, prepared uh, dissertation every time. But just bring them along. Mm-hmm. Just tell them what's going on, mm-hmm. and 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 just let them be a part of whatever we're doing when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's like our own little Apollo mission, you know, in right in the reference to uh, right to cycling. So. <laughs> right on, very good. Well, so speaking of the Apollo mission, which of course is celebrating its fiftieth anniversary this week, there was a lot of a uh, lot of yeah. time went into preparing the Apollo mission. Of course, it didn't just get to pop over to the moon. And so, y'all obviously had to do a lot of training. Uh, tell us a little bit about the training you did, both as as an athlete and as crew. 
I don't know. You tell me, coach. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, you know a lot about my training. You were my coach. Um, but, yeah, consistency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's all it was, was consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from January until the start of RAM, I think I, I started RAM with uh, over 7,000 miles mm-hmm. in my legs from January of this year to the start. Mm-hmm. So... I had, obviously, I, it was a lot of miles and a lot of consistency. Um, what I think I did, what, four or five 24-hour rides. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some unique rides, like going up and down the hog pen um, 13 times. Was it 13? 13? Yeah, 13 time hog pen repeat that took me, you know, I think 16 or 17 hours. Mm-hmm. Um a, a lot of different just consistency rides, you know, a lot of mental, a lot of mental tests too. I know one of the biggest mental tests was that you probably remember when I ended up on the trainer, mm-hmm. you know, I riding, I started a ride and ended up dropping to the 20 de- in the 20 degrees and pouring rain. Mm-hmm. And I was, I've never been that cold in my life mm-hmm. um, to the point where I had to get picked up and driven home. So I only had three hours um, and I was supposed to be a 24 hour ride. So I ended up sitting on the trainer for 21 hours and you know, the mental, <laughs> you know, one thing about me is I don't like yellow and red on training peaks. So if you put it in there, I'm going to do it. Right. And, uh, sometimes to my own demise, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I don't like, I'm OCD with hitting it, mm-hmm. um, with, with, with my training. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you know, just following the plan. I don't, you know, that one thing that I think works in our favor is I don't know. I'm okay with not knowing everything. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm going to do the work on the front end to find who I trust. And then I'm just going to trust them. Mm-hmm. And I did that with, I felt like I did that with Jesse. Um, with the race, I gave them the decision power. Yeah. I knew a lot about endurance sports. Um, but once I gave the trust to Jesse, it was his decision, yeah. and I just shut up um, until the next to last day when I tried to make decisions myself, <laughs> um, and then he told me to shut up um, <laughs> in a much nicer way. Uh, but you know that that was uh, sleep deprived. Thomas talking, uh, and but in, and I think I feel like I did that with you. Uh, you know, we mm-hmm. had we had we did have some conversations back and forth, like, hey, what do you think about me doing this and this and that? But I tried to just give my trust to you. You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay you, I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think that as far as the training is concerned, uh, was key. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go into any more details on the training. I mean, we did some 24 hours. We did the ride up to Washington DC on the Blue Ridge Parkway, mm-hmm. you know, which had, gosh, that was almost 80,000 feet of climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we did a lot of test testing, but. Well, kind of, we had an approach to the to the training aspect of the race logistics, and and the approach was this: is like take take it apart. Don't don't try to go out and, and train uh, for RAM as a crew or in support of an endurance rider and put all the pieces together at one time. You know, we we crewed Thomas nutritionally from a fixed location on multiple times, and then we would crew from a vehicle. And then we would kind of take all those things and put them together. And, and I'm like, look, it, it's better to practice this perfect and do it slowly. And then when we actually have to put it into motion, 
we do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what we did. So we did a, we did a fixed support 24 hours of Seabury, mm-hmm. you know, and we learned a lot about just moving time and nutritional support and skincare made it all about him. And then and we, if I could even do the rate, right. I mean, that, and, and that was, did, and that, that was 16 months out. That was pretty far out too. Right. Yeah, and you yeah. trained me for that, and I didn't. I didn't, you know, I didn't really train for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we trained what two months? Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, and then we, you know, we did a forty-eight hour race, and I told Thomas, I said, "Look, this one's not about you. You know, we we know how to do the nutritional aspect of it, but I just need you to ride. Let us make decisions. Let us learn from these decisions, and let us just work on crewing. And we're going to do it slowly, so we can make decisions. We can talk about them." Mm-hmm. you know, and then put them into play. And then we, we, every time we would do a ride, we would factor in, um, rolling time versus stop time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, and we worked on that average and that was, you know, key because by the end of the race, about the end of Ram, you know, it averaged out to 18 minutes per ride that we had as the window of, of error mm-hmm. to, to make our goal. 18 minutes is all we had each ride. Wow. Um, I think it's interesting what you're talking about. Um, there's, there's a few things there. Thomas, you talk about kind of giving yourself over. And then, Jesse, you mentioned that 48-hour simulation ride. And, and just to kind of clue everybody else in, we had you start that ride on a Friday evening or Friday afternoon so that you're all tired from work all day, just like a regular week, and then yeah. you basically rode from Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. Um, and I remember that one. Um, in that ride, I remember Jesse stopped you and, and had you actually take a sleep break, and which is something that we hadn't really talked about doing. But I, I think that in light of what you're saying about how this, one of the things you were practicing during that 48-hour ride was Thomas giving himself over to the crew and letting the crew make decisions. Like, he, you were literally practicing doing that. I think that's very interesting. Um, that that's kind of one of the things that y'all yeah, accomplished on that big ride. Well, and a, a big thing we learned on that ride as well was my nutrition. Mm-hmm. I was overeating. Yeah. And so having Stacy on that on that was great too because they were doing the math and I was taking too many calories in that first five six hours, mm-hmm. and I ended up puking my brains out. Mm-hmm. And we kind of hit reset, calmed my stomach down, and then it ended up dropping my calories down to a proper level, and then it ended up being okay. Mm-hmm. But that was something that paid huge dividend because during the race we kept my calories there, mm-hmm. and I never got sick. I had zero stomach issues in Ram, um, and that went a lot to do with the fact that I went 90% liquid mm-hmm. and uh, for the whole race, mm-hmm. um, and then a lot to do with them dialing in the fact that I, I was eating too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for any of you numbers junkies out there, uh, we totaled it up for Ram, it looks like he consumed about 92,400 calories over nice. the 10 rides. Nice. 92,000. Does that include McDonald's fries? <laughs> Actually, we did not include the fries. We didn't include the Chick-fil-A and uh, McDonald's Cento <laughs> box fries. Did you, did you include the, uh, the, the ice cream that you gave him at, uh, at, at State Lines? Because I remember seeing that at one point as well. Oh, yeah. Of course. We documented everything. <laughs> right on. Right on. Very good. Very good. Um, so I, I do want to just a couple more questions here because we're running up against the, the, the time limit on us, but, but I do want to ask a couple quick things. First thing I want to say, are there, are there questions that I'm not asking? And one thing that I think in particular, um, I know that you were sponsored by Pirelli, and I know that you had no flat tires along the way on your bike. You did on the cars, 
um, but not on the bike. Um, is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Actually, there, we discovered that we had a puncture, but we did not have a flat. We had a uh, Zach, our mechanic, found some sealant on the bottom of the seat and said, hmm, and started investigating and realized that we had a puncture. It self-sealed. It dropped like 15, 20 pounds maybe, but mm -hmm. no one no one knew it. I didn't even notice it. Luckily, because I had a huge descent. <laughs> yeah, we pumped it back up. You know, it, I mean, the sidewalls in these are so strong that we pumped it back up, and we never ended up changing it again. Wow. I mean, I... I'm, I'm personally, I'm a customer for life. I know Thomas is. Yeah. I mean, if you can raise, I mean, you've been on the course. Yeah. There's crap everywhere on there. Yeah. And you have um, and you have to drive I mean, on the sides of the roads and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and on interstate. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, there were, there, so, I mean, I remember running over a lot of debris and then Missouri road conditions are horrific. I mean, I ran through potholes after potholes and zero flat. I mean, zero, literally zero flat. Um, zero tire changes. Um, it's, it was my very. I don't think we had any really mechanicals. That's pretty. Incredible. I mean, I, we had to fix my handlebars one time. I hit a nasty pothole, and one of the bolts was. I think one of my handlebar bolts was a little bit loose in Kansas, and it, my handlebars dropped all the way down. Um, on your TT bike. That was on my TT bike, so <laughs> you know that was a, a little scary. But lucky it was right before a crew change, mm -hmm. like literally. 200 yards before crew change. And, and our mechanic, you know, I mean, every at the end of every ride, it was literally like walking your bike into a bike shop and having it serviced cool. and then starting over again. Yeah, my, he was amazing. my bike at the end of Ram were in better condition than they are like 90% of the time. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, he was, he was a pretty awesome rock star. I mean, we had, I mean, we had the best crew that I think imagined. I mean, Stacy obviously in charge of nutrition, and keeping me healthy and massage therapy and everything. I mean, we got creative sometime with my toe issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we actually end up, I was sleeping uh, most nights with tampons in between all my toes to spread my toes out. Uh, really? So fun fact, you, you can do that. Um, yeah, we couldn't find a toe spreader. So, you know, we stuck tampons between them. Uh, of course we had, did. Uh, you know, of course we did. Yeah. Josh, you know, uh, Josh Saint was, uh, was the primary driver in one of the vans and he is really good at logistics and driving. I mean, he's driven in pro pelotons, so he is very familiar with, uh, driving and, uh, safety mm -hmm. with riders. And then, uh, we had Lee, uh, saying his wife who was in the other vehicle. I just want to give them all a shout out. Cause they did so much work. Right on. Uh, Lee, um, she was, a she, she was the, with the head navigator. So she was in charge of navigation really for both crews. But uh, she was in the second van, and she's huge with logistics. She's one of the crew, uh, or one of the uh, race directors for Cruel Jewel. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's very familiar with logistics and everything like that. And then Justin um, did a ton with driving and also um, just keeping my mental state engaged. And then Zach, obviously the mechanic, and then jo and then Jeff and Skip, the two guys with the RV, they went above and beyond. I mean, not only just giving their time in the RV and everything like that. But, you know, he would have a protein shake ready for me as soon as I got done with the bike. They drove all the equipment out they there. They drove all the equipment out there for mm -hmm. us. He yeah. did a lot of laundry. He basically ruined his washing machine for me, <laughs> cleaning bag bomb out of my kit. <laughs> so, you know, it was <laughs> awesome. I mean, I couldn't have had definitely a better crew. Awesome. So what's next? I think I know the answer to this, but and this goes for both of you. I mean, Thomas, what's next for you? Obviously, as an athlete, Jesse, you now have a uh, a, a Ram Solo 
successful finish on your on your uh, crew chief resume here. What's next for both of y'all? Uh, for me, um, I'm I'm not gonna race. You know, anytime soon, I'm gonna I may jump in some races for the fun of it and just be okay with getting fifth. Um, you know, but uh, I'm gonna just ride with my buddies for the fun of it and do less training, if you will. Sure. I'm gonna sell my TT bike and my race wheels, um, just because I'm not doing triathlons right now, and I'm actually gonna get a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about you know hitting some mountain bikes, maybe jumping in some six hour mountain bike races and different things like that we talked about some bike packing yeah some bike pack just i'm just gonna you know not treat it as a job which you have to for ram Mm -hmm. um and 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 just kind of go with you know doing some stuff for the fun of it not you know i'll come back and you know race eventually but not anytime soon and then i'm actually gonna buy me a 88 key weighted keyboard and my next goal is to learn the piano (laughs) (laughs) right on right on you said you had four things you said you had four things on your bucket list way back in the day and and that riding your bike across the united states was was one of the four what were the other three so i wanted to get my eagle scout Mm -hmm. um i got that in 2002 ish Mm -hmm. um i wanted to through hike the appalachian trail you did that and i through hike the appalachian trail in 2005 Mm mm-hmm um, and then I wanted to get to Kona and, uh, it took that. me 10 years, but you know, I finally qualified mm-hmm. and, uh, qualified in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. um, and, and did Kona in 2016. And then I wanted to ride across the U S so, you know, I hit my big four. So now, you know, I got to create a new adventure. I was gonna say, you got to come up with a new four. What about you, Jesse? What's next? Uh, you know, it's, it's back to training for me. I put off uh, a good bit of training, uh, just kind of working on, working on Ram spent a lot of time on Google drive. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of stepping away from that a little bit. Um, having, having successful Ram finisher and team, uh, is, was something I was really, really excited about. And I, and it's quite, it's really funny with all the ups and downs that we had in in my household, uh, you know, just wanting to be done and, and the stress of it. My wife told me the day we finished, this is how amazing she is. And she was also our team physician, uh, you know, for every, for everybody, but especially for Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes, you've got to do this again. And yeah. I was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Speak into the mic, please. Say that one more time. <laughs> um, and, and quite honestly, I see why people get hooked on it. Me too. I see why people do it again. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to do it again, at least raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, for me personally, it's, I'm going to get back to training. I've done like eight or nine 70.3s, mm-hmm. and I've never done a full Ironman. And uh, my wife also told me I have to do that as well. So I've got an amazing wife. I don't know if that it, it speaks to that at all. But she's like, look, you got to do a full Ironman next year. So um, <laughs> right on. I, I, think I definitely, you know, I'm hoping, what I'm hoping for is that through our efforts with RAM, is that somebody through our circles, either locally or or through the Kyle Peets Foundation, uh, gets inspired, gets inspired to do something like this, that we can, we can get behind them because it's a, it's clearly a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if somebody came to me, especially through the Kyle Peets Foundation said, look, will you, will you help me do this, you know, to help this, these folks out? And I'm like, absolutely. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of what's ahead uh, for me. Very cool. Very cool. All right, very last question, because we ask this question to everybody who comes on the podcast here. Um, what's your favorite workout for both of you? What's your favorite workout to do? It doesn't necessarily have to be a RAM workout, but what's your favorite workout? 
my favorite workout is is a local ride here in Dahlonega that we do. And uh, I take it for granted sometimes because so many people have to drive really far to do it. But we have this little ride we call the Such as Lollipop. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those rides you can go in and do uh, before work. You park at Stonepile Gap. You ride up Woody and around the, the old airfield and make a little loop out of it. And you can still make it to work, you know, at a decent time. Right on. And uh, that's my favorite. Such as Lollipop. Uh, what about you, Thomas? Any sort of any sort of ride that is uh, like One Direction, and that I don't really know the road. <laughs> so, so like one of my favorite rides ever was I just left with really not much planning and rode my bike, you know, uh, to Dahlonega from Calhoun via Chattanooga, and then over, you know, some random roads. So, you know, that I love any sort of uh, adventure that I don't really know the road that I just kind of plug it into Google Maps, change it to bike, and go. Mm-hmm. Um, which can lead you on a lot of gravel roads. Fun mm-hmm. fact, um, but you know that's part of the adventure. So I, I, I love, uh, I, th- I love anything like that. Sounds like a sounds like a description of Ram. Actually, you know, a, a ride in one yeah, direction on roads that you don't mostly know. <laughs> so very. Yeah, good. you know, but maybe not three thousand miles. Maybe like one hundred fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, imagine that, right? Imagine that a mere one hundred fifty miles instead. Very good. Gentlemen, congratulations. Uh, very, very hearty and heartfelt congratulations to both of you. Uh, job well done, um, and we're all, we're all super proud of you. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast as well. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right, gentlemen. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, by Blue Pineapple Travel, and by SlayRx. If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me, George, at itlcoaching.com. If you want to reach out to Patrick, it's Patrick at itlcoaching.com. Or you can send us a podcast email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. If you want to find ITL Coaching and Performance, they're at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash itlcoaching and performance. If you want to find Blue Pineapple Travel for all your travel needs, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. See all the incredible places where folks are traveling thanks to Blue Pineapple Travel. And, of course, our newest sponsor, SlayRx. You can find them at SlayRx.com, at Facebook.com slash SlayRx, or on Instagram at Instagram.com, here for, the number four, here for SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code as well, Pleasant2019. That'll get you 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.